Steve Jackson Games for Nordcast, Episode 9, June 26, 2007. After a slightly longer than anticipated break, the Venordcast is back. We had some ecological obstacles to overcome, plus our pesky technical glitch ninjas came back. But all that's behind us now, and here is Episode 9, The GTS Extravaganza. As we do every year, Steve Jackson Games went to the Gamma Trade Show in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Paul Chapman, the Marketing Director. I'm uh, Randy Schooneman, the Master of Shipping. And I'm Will, our director and other things. These guys were part of my crew at the Steve Jackson Games booth at the trade show. We had lots of fun. It was a heckish roller coaster ride of highs and lows, the likes I have never seen in my seven years of going to GTS. You might have heard about the water. The water was an issue. It was indeed an issue. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear, I had a brilliant plan of distributing bottles of water with the munching label on to the, the retailers and distributors who were in attendance. Those who saw it thought it was a very clever idea. Uh, the hotel, on the other hand, thought that we were infringing upon their right to sell water. I didn't get to give very many bottles of water away. I maintain that you should have stuck with the claim that it was a magic potion, <laughs> which they do not hold rights to selling, and we would have been fine. That's entirely possible. Um, but since they had the right to kick us out and they owned they, a lot more teamsters yeah, than we did... They probably would have fined us for practicing medicine without a license or something crazy like that. <laughs> the booth got there a day late, um, a grand total of three hours before the show opened. That was, uh, that was a thrill. So instead of having 12 hours to leisurely put the uh, booth up and go off and have lunches and chat with everybody... Assemble all of the packets... Assemble all of the retailer packets. Uh, every year at GTS, we uh, hand out folders full of information to the retailers uh, that gives them an idea of what we're coming out with in the next couple of months, what's brand new, tips on how to sell the existing products. Lots of free stuff. Lots of free stuff. And so that 12-hour window got crammed into three hours. Um, luckily, this crew was happy to give me 110%. We got it done. The retailers wandered in, none the wiser that we'd been going crazy, and uh, we had a, a really good time. This uh, GTS was was awesome because the retailers were all extremely well-educated. They knew not only our product, they knew the industry better than the groups of retailers I've encountered in the past. They had intelligent questions, and it was a pleasure to... Uh, interact with them. They loved the handout. The Munchkin Rig demo, the thing we were actually able to give them, went over really, really well. Like, everybody who sold Munchkin was just ecstatic about getting it. And a few people who didn't sell Munchkin got to go through it and decided they liked it. Yep. Yep. Oh, the other thing that we uh, definitely need to mention, as part of our standard booth dress, we have a mass of huge posters. The posters are like four foot long, three foot high, and we collect them in a Wall, the Great Wall of the, Munchkin, the Great Wall of Munchkin, and Bainstorm covers and, and all sorts of Scarps stuff. Books. This wall towers above us about twelve foot, and it's fifteen foot wide, and takes forever to put up. And what do people notice as they walk by? 
the little $5 <laughs> fans that we have sitting there. They're little plastic fans, but they have LEDs on them, and they spell out messages as the, as the blades whirl. And we had ones that said Munchkin and Munchkin Quest, and you, you can program them in. But everybody was like, oh, what are those? What are those? Did they look at the giant posters that I spent hours and hours having Alex fix and refix? No. They looked at the little fans. It's because the fans are hypnotic. Hypnotic fans. We could have sold a like ton of those fans. <laughs> well, we could. We could just buy you know a thousand of them, program Munchkin into each and every one, and then send them out. Yeah, that's a swell idea. <laughs> Hop right on that one. That's We're a... trying to work some other sort of hypnotic devices in the next year's booth. Yeah, possibly some hallucinogens. Definitely not in water, because we know that's a bad idea. I think airborne would work a lot. Oh better. yeah, yeah, an aerosol. But uh, this was my seventh year, but it was you guys' first year. Yes. Yes. Very first year ever. It was awesome. I hope they take me again. Paul's going back to compiling Munchkin Quest survey information. The rest of this episode is going to be Randy and I telling you all about the great gaming things we saw at GTS. But first, a recording with Mark and Andrew, the other two guys that went with us to Vegas. Andrew Walters, the Southwest U.S. MIB Regional Director. And that's what his name tag says. And Mark Schmidt, our MIB control. Hello, this is Mark. And this is Andrew. What did you guys think of GTS this year? What did you see that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like? And how did everything with SJ Games go? I had a great time. It was really good to get out there and talk to the retailers, get first-hand information from the front lines about just what the industry is like, what, how things are going for everybody. Uh, it was actually good to get out with the other manufacturers and see kind of what everyone else is up to this year. And uh, But really the big thing for me was getting hands-on with retailers. Yeah, this is, again, it's a really uh, fun show. There's a lot of, uh, it, it's fun to meet the game store owners. When you uh, are the publisher of Munchkin, uh, they, they tend to really like you a lot. And so everyone comes up with uh, with positive comments, and, and we end up talking about the products and so on. And, and even the people who uh, come up and talk about Car Wars or Ogre uh, are at least cheerful and positive about it. So it's good to hear about the, that there's still love for the old classics out there. And uh, somehow it's um, there's there's a certain amount of pressure because there's a lot of people and and so on. But uh, because it's stretched out over several days, you have time to really talk and, uh, and hear their stories. And game store owners have a lot of interesting stories, so uh, it's a good time. This is the first place that anybody's seen the Munchkin board game, Munchkin Quest. Steve's been talking about the secret project for a long time, but we finally showed off stuff. So all the retailers are going home and telling their customers, Munchkin Quest is coming. What was your feedback from that from all the retailers? Because I know you guys have the closest explanation of how the rules are going to work from Steve. Some of us haven't really heard that yet. Yeah, I think the big thing they want is to make sure it has the feel of the Munchkin card game but they are interested in, in how it's going to be different and how it's going to uh, transition to the board and make use of the board. Um, it, it will be interesting to, to have it, and also they were impressed with the, going with uh, solid, good, sturdy cardboard components and, uh, of course, keeping the John Cavalli card. <laughs> Got to have the John Cavalli card. Yeah, with, uh, with, with game store owners, the line between the, the businessman and the fan is it gets blurry and, and goes back and forth. It's different with different people. But uh, from both sides, they want to see a product that's really, that really looks nice and feels nice and, and has that munchkin personality. And the, the prototype that we're showing uh, looks fantastic. I mean, the, the, the bright colors and the, the way it's laid out and uh, some of the munchkinly things that can happen 
in a space-based game as opposed to a card game, uh, for example, monsters that, that you run away from don't leave the board, they don't disappear, they stay on the board and are controlled by another player and may pursue you across the board. Uh, this kind of stuff really makes people smile. And so uh, they're happy to see something that they can sell, but they're also happy to see something that's, that's uh, you know, more Kabbalic art that's going to, they're going to get to handle in a, in a really nice, nicely produced game. So, yeah. Stab those. Your Buddy is uh, a much more personal event. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it was a fun week, guys, and thanks yeah, for talking to us. Thanks. Glad to, glad to talk. Sure, yeah, it was a good time. So now we got rid of Paul. He's gone. We can talk behind his back all we want. But I think he already admitted to all the things that we would have made fun of him about. That doesn't matter. We're going to still make fun of him. Well, let's talk about games first. All right. One of the companies we're both really excited about that we got to see in Vegas was Fantasy Flight. Yes. Yes. I love them. They're great. They put in uh, a lot of high-quality pieces in a game. And that makes a game a lot better, I think, when you, you can see the pieces and you can imagine playing instead of, okay, this rock is a monster and this die is... You. I pulled aside Brian Bornmuller from Fantasy Flight. You talked to him a lot about Descent Errata. Well, I talked to him a little bit on my way past, but yes, I did talk to him. And this is Brian from Fantasy Flight. Fenoricast is on the floor at the Gamma Trade Show, GTS, and I pulled aside Brian Bornmuller, hope I got your name right, yeah, yeah. from Fantasy Flight, their North American sales associate, and he's going to give me some of the spiels of their new stuff. We're big fans of Descent in the store, and Warehouse 23 has recently started carrying some animal products. So tell me what you think is the, the best stuff that Fantasy Flight carries. Uh, the best stuff, well, we've got a lot of different things going on. I'm very excited about Tide of Iron. will be coming out in May. That's our big historical World War II game with some awesome plastic and modular boards and some cool new things there. Um, Descent, I'm a big fan. Play that after work a lot. We've got a Road to Legend expansion coming out in the fall. That's going to be our campaign expansion. Finally. Finally, yes. Yes, but since Descent is a competitive game, you don't just get to level up the heroes, you get to level up the monsters, too. So you're going to be able to travel on the overland map that we're including in the game to move your party around. You go on around, level up your heroes, and level up the bad guys. Yeah, bad guy leveling is not something we like, but it'll be fun anyway. Can't make it too easy for you. Yeah. Um, we also are going to be doing a Kingdom Hearts collectible card game. It's very exciting. A new World of Warcraft adventure game that's going to be World of Warcraft meets Talisman. Light, fast, under two hours adventure game. So it's separate from the big World of Warcraft quest game. Yes, and it's going to be an entirely different game that will have the, the spirit of World of Warcraft without all the crunchy rules of our big World of Warcraft game. Okay, I bet there's a lot of fans that would like to play a World of Warcraft game in less than six hours. Yes. We, we certainly think that's there, and we're also going to try to get it at a low price point, so it'll be an e- easier purchase for people to make. The $80 games, I know, can be can be hard sometimes. But, but speaking of $80 Blizzard games, we also have the StarCraft board game that should be coming out in September. It's going to have a plastic figure for pretty much every unit from the original StarCraft game, big cardboard planets to build the galaxy different every time, and diceless combat, where everyone gets their own combat deck and gets to shuffle in their technology upgrades. So when you buy your stim packs for your space marines, you shuffle the stim pack cards into your deck. Sounds cool. Unfortunately, there's only an empty box here with a cover. I, I, I have to admit, we are gigantic teases here yeah. at Gamma, but once we have something cool, you'll see it. Okay. Do you know anything about Anima? I know quite a bit about Anima. Okay, yeah. well, give me the short version. So the Anima is an entire universe 
we have a miniatures game, a card game, and a forthcoming role-playing game, all set in this anime fantasy universe, very much in the vein of Final Fantasy and, and things like that. The card game is a standalone, not collectible card game, 1995, that you can uh, build your party of adventurers, go around, fight the monsters, get new people in your parties, level them up, plays fast. And then there's the Anima Tactics, which is our pewter miniatures game that's a small, skirmish-level miniatures game, real. Every warband of four to eight characters going around, battling. Those are all all pewter, old-school old miniatures. Yeah, paint it yourself. Yes. I've got a couple of those. Yes. Try to get people to play with me. Well, um, thanks for your time. Absolutely. And, uh, thanks. thanks for the interview. He was uh, pretty informative. He was very knowledgeable, and all the Fantasy Flight guys were. We managed to talk to most of these people on the first day while we were still waiting for our booth before we could even set up and before they had been just worn down from two and a half days of uh, talking about their material with the public. We got to them while they were still fresh and really excited to be at Gamma and got the information from them. It was a really great opportunity from a, a horrible mess up. So we really made the best of that one. A few things he didn't talk about that they had on the floor there. The Tannhauser board game, which Randy knows almost nothing about. I am uh, <laughs> ignorant on a lot of things. That is one of them. It's a French game that they're putting the uh, English version out for. It's Alternate Earth World War One, with n- sort of Nazis but not Nazis. And the occult and shooting each other. It looks really cool. Yeah, you had been saying a lot about that actually that you wanted to... I have it on pre-order already. Yes. Uh, you didn't hear Brian talking about Twilight Imperium. We didn't see anything like new on the horizon for that there. Uh, they put out an expansion for it last year, and there was nothing really at Gamma for it. I don't know what's going on with that, if there's more to it. So if you're looking for something about that, we we don't have anything for you. Yeah, sorry. He had talked about Descent. Uh, I am a, personally a, a huge fan of Descent. The Road to Legend looks really good. If you're a big fan and you have a big group of people, it lets you do your whole campaign thing. He covered it pretty well. We don't need to go over that again. Arkham Horror. Oh, he yeah. didn't talk about the Arkham Horror expansion. The King in Yellow. It's another small expansion like the Pharaoh's Curse, but uh, they're working on that too. It looked kind of cool. And the other thing Randy totally entirely missed was the Mutant Chronicles collectible miniatures game that some of you out there who are fans of the Mutant Chronicles universe might have been waiting on for... I don't know, years and years now. They announced it was going to come out, I think, last Gen Con, and then pushed it back. And I don't even know if they've announced a new release date for it, but the miniatures in person, at least the uh, studio paint jobs on the two they had that they have since put up on their website, look really awesome. Giant monsters. and There were a lot of good miniatures at this trade show. There was just a ton of them. Whether it was pre-painted plastic or somebody else's post-painted or non-painted or there were a lot of miniatures that looked really good did you look at the damage control games miniatures spaceship stuff yeah i saw a couple of them and those were just stellar those were like almost movie quality they could just zoom in so i know you can make it look awesome i do not have that physical capability because i am a bad artist i talked to john got him on tape john was a nice guy I spent a little time lately, like outside of the show. I got to like talk to him a little bit. The damage control guys were very friendly. 
Um, and it was it was cool to hang around with them a little bit and see their stuff. And they had a hospitality suite. And they did, and they let me have a beer. And uh, then I talked to John out in the hallway by the elevators because it was the only quiet place that wasn't around the people drinking the free beer. More for Nordcast from the Gamma Trade Show. This is John Palumbo with Damage Control Games. They have a brand new spaceship miniatures game called Phoenix Horizons. It's going to be out by Gen Con, and it looks pretty cool. Thank you. Give us the nutshell. Nutshell. All right, well, like you said, Damage Control Games, Phoenix Horizons. We're looking to make a cinematic, action-packed starship combat game. Um, one that people can play with a good amount of ships, maybe in the 8 to 12 range, in about 90 or so minutes. Really simple mechanics, um, but still have enough strategic side to it that people have to think a little bit at home when they're playing things. Um, uses a D10 and a D6 in there, so you have a little bit mixed up on the dice. Plus, we have an alternating activation system in it, which uh, is always popular with the gamers, but you really get to see you actually play it on the, on the tables. It's not just a rule system, it's a miniatures product as well, and they're uh, bare metal when you buy them, so all the painters and hobbyists out there will have something to do. Correct. It's pretty old school when it comes to its look and feel. When it go, the uh, uh, miniatures will be uh, spun like you used to see, no pre-painted plastics here. Um, we may go plastic if it gets really big at some point in time, but that's probably doubtful in the short term. Right now it's going to be good old pewter. Um, we'll have four factions in the game. Um, the two that we saw at the show this time around were the uh, Commonwealth of uh, Braga, which is going to be a shield-heavy, missile-heavy force, and the Lone Star Republics, which will focus on energy weapons and special uh, electronic warfare-type capability. Um, the other two factions we're developing currently at the Sculptor are the Sagaroth, which will be a feline um, a quadruped, kind of a centaur cat, tiger-looking uh, species, which will be specialized in uh, small unit tactics, fighters, escort squadrons, frigates, and then the uh, Imperial Prussia Navy, which will be the uh, big lumbering um, force as far as uh, big rounds on target type stuff. Um, then we'll have a series of rogues, gallery members that can be contracted out to specific fleets based upon their storyline development. It's got capital ships, it's got escorts, and it's got fighters. Correct. Um, the primary ships are the, um, we call the warships. Those are frigates, destroyers, and cruisers. Um, they uh, reside on a uh, unique-looking 65-millimeter wrench base, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. The um, cruisers will usually be about 75 or so millimeters long. Um, the feel we're going for with the miniatures in general is kind of a pulp feel. So uh, some of them will have a, a sort of 50s look to them, but upgraded to a more you know current-day vibe with it. But yeah, the warships are the frigates, destroyers, cruisers. Um, and then we'll slip down to the smaller escort squadrons, which will be our pack hunters. You can think of them as PT boats or corvette squadrons that run and hunt together. They'll move a little more freely, and they'll have a uh, combined attack that they will use together. And then fighter wings will be launched from uh, specific carrier-class ships, um, with the Sagaroth having the biggest carrier and the meanest fighters in the, in the bunch. And the last thing I want to touch on, it's a free-form game. There's, there's no hex grid. There's no square grid. And your bases, you mentioned earlier, they're wrenches. Correct. They look a little odd, but they, they have a purpose in the game. Give us a, a 
really quick explanation of how the wrench works. You bet. Uh, one of the things that we've always saw in uh, most Starship combat games is, of course, the hex that you see out there, which makes targeting easy because you can always measure out uh, where the arcs are going to go. And we didn't really want to do a hex game. There's a lot of good ones out there on the market now. Some of them are very complex, some of them less so. But if you like that sort of thing, they're there. Um, coming from a background of a more freeform miniatures game, I really enjoy the measuring aspect and moving the ships around the table. So when we sat down to design how we were going to do that, the uh, base was pretty critical on how that was going to be executed. Um, so what we have is a wrench. If you look at it in your hand, it looks like a wrench on the front top. It's got a little cut-off square area. It tapers down in the middle, then it gets fat again on the bottom. Um, each angle of the wrench itself provides something useful in the game. The top center part, that square, is used for the spinal mount of the weapon, so you can measure directly you know, straight ahead of the warship where it fires. The other two angles provide you your front and rear arcs so that uh, ships can line up their targeting uh, within those arcs. Folks can uh, check us out at uh, www.damagecontrolgames.com. We've got our forums up and running. Uh, feel free to stop by, say hi, and uh, if you're interested in doing some playtesting or think you like Starship games, you can download the Quick Start rules there and uh, take a look and let us know what you think. And like Randy said, there were lots and lots of miniatures there. Another company that's brand new that I talked to was Comfy Chair Games with their new game, Spine Spur. Their game is kind of a war in purgatory gang fight with all kinds of monsters and stuff. There's like a three-headed werewolf. Yeah, you were telling me. Wasn't there some like crazy clown? Or- There's an evil clown with a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> There's a guy that looks like Gene Simmons decked out in makeup. There's a dude that wears a pig head for a mask. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. I like their logo, too. Their logo was a... It was a dude sitting in an electric chair, like, wiggling around. Yeah, I think comfy chair is a yes. little bit of a joke. <laughs> it was, it was, it was kind of cool, though. I'm here with Bob Mervine from Comfy Chair Games. We have a brand new miniatures game called Spine Spur. And I don't know much about it, so I'm going to let him explain everything he wants to. Spine Spur is basically a survival horror miniatures game. Uh, what we've done is we've tried to create a game that is going to be appealing for the 17 and older crowd, so it's got a parental advisory on it. That way we're a little more free with the miniatures that we can make and the stories and fluff and so forth that we can go into more geared towards adults. And I saw you had a three-headed werewolf-looking monster, and you have a guy with a chainsaw, and you have a pig-headed dude, and you have an evil clown. <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to go with some models that aren't your standard fare. So we have the three-headed werewolf, who is the Sarah Beast. We have the pigskin man, whose guy wears a rotting pig's head around, runs with a cleaver, takes people out, and uh, plenty of chainsaws. we got zombies and any kind of monster you can look at. The evil clown, he's an alcoholic, once again, going back to the adult theme. But it helps his stats in the end. And you, you have body count tokens? Yes. And the evil pope? I heard something about evil pope and zombies. Yes, there's a, we have body count tokens so that when you kill a person, you replace them with a body token, and basically what happens then is any weapons they had can be scavenged by other people, so you don't lose that chainsaw when the guy actually dies. Uh, we also have the anti-pope, who is a character that will be coming out very shortly, who uses a lot of necromantic magic to use the body tokens and 
raise the dead from it to help bolster your force. And you guys are aiming for an uh, Origins release or Gen Con? Or? Yes, we have an Origins release um, of the initial wave that we're doing along with the rule book. We're also making some attempts to have the product in stores when we release it at Origins so that everybody can get it, not just the people who show up at Origins, and then everyone else waits. Thanks for your time, Bob. It sounds like fun. Chainsaw Zombies, Three-Headed Werewolves. Good Thank times. you very much. Uh, what about uh, the Smirk and Dagger? Kurt from Smirk and Dagger is awesome. He hooked me up with some bonus cards for Hex Hex End. He uh, also got me some Run for Your Life Candyman bonus cards that were pretty cool. Frosting and the Candy Golem. Yeah, they were like a whole bunch of other little special cards. And uh, he was really nice. He was really, like his games, he knew what he was talking about and seemed like he really cared about what he was doing. And uh, he had a game there that they were developing called Cutthroat Caverns that yeah. I am super interested in. Um, that was a competitive cooperative, which I think is a, a wonderful way to go in the game, where the premise is you're a group of adventures, adventures in a dungeon, and you've made an agreement that whoever gets the most prestige of the kills in the dungeon gets their pick of the treasure. Well, it just so turns out that in this particular dungeon, the treasure only has really one item that's really important, and everybody wants it really, really bad. So you're trying to kind of screw your buddy out of the treasure so you can get it. It's a little bit like Munchkin, but you all have to work together. Yeah. Instead of it being, this is my monster, will you help me? It is, this is our monster. Uh, I need help, but I want to kill it so i want to screw you over just enough to let me kill it instead of you yes I, it it seemed like a really great concept and i'm hoping that it comes out before too long and we get a shot at it i i got a chance to play it yes you did i had a chance to play it but i was doing other <laughs> things tuesday and wednesday nights they had a play with the creators room yep and kurt was there one night with cutthroat caverns and another night with hex hex because the second night was origins award nominees only I'm here with Kurt Covert from Smirk and Dagger. Big fan of Run for Your Life Candyman and Hex Hex. He's got a brand new game he's showing off. It's almost about ready to come out called Cutthroat Caverns. Explain it for us. Sure. Um, it's a uh, it's a standalone card game for three to six players. It's a standard kind of dungeon crawl and theme. But the real juice of the game is that we really balance on a razor wire cooperative gameplay and backstabbing goodness. And it does it really well. Um, you're constantly jockeying for position trying to kill the most creatures to put in your prestige pile, and only the final blow matters. So you're constantly trying to decide whether you're going to go in and swing heavy for a whopping 100 points, or whether you're going to end up holding back looking for a more opportune time. The problem is, the more you hold back, the more you screw with other players. You know, the, the creatures are really designed to mess you up, and the entire party will die if you don't work together. And people can make you the target of the monsters if you're not cooperating enough. Uh, well, the, the monsters act in certain ways that you can take advantage of. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and, and uh, we're taking home a copy of Run for Your Life Candyman to spread the madness Thank you. a yeah. little bit more. And <laughs> thanks a lot for talking to us. Not at all. There was a spaceship game where your your spaceship is actually on a hex map, and you're driving, you know, you're flying around your spaceships, 
But then you also have like a crew inside your spaceship and you uh, have have like mini maps that are your spaceship and you have, you know, transporter rooms and engine rooms and the helm and all that stuff. And you have the crew inside manning these stations. But once on the hex map, you get your ship close to another one. You can like do attacks and you can do boarding parties and stuff like that. I didn't get to see this game, but um, really... That was Battle Stations. And I almost got to play it at the Play With The Creators night, but... I was playing something else. Another game of Battle Station started, and I missed the beginning, and then I was playing something else again, and it didn't, didn't work out. But I talked to Jeff and Jason about Battle Stations and some other stuff they've got coming up. I'm here with Jason and Jeff Syadek from Gorilla Games. You might have heard of their game, Battle Stations. They've got a brand new game, and they're going to tell me all about their stuff. All right. Battle Stations is the game of heroic starship adventure, and we've actually been out since 2004. And it's been going great, and we're loving it, and the fans are really the best part of the game. Yeah, Steve Jackson actually played Battle Stations at the Gamma Trade Show in 2004. He and, did? Yeah. He, I asked him for some uh, some great quote or something he could give me, and he said, well, if it were my game, I'd make it a lot simpler, which is sort of ironic considering GURPS has got more mo- rules than I think the rest of the gaming industry put together. But... Uh, uh, he, he was right, and I did simplify it a little bit, and I, I was happy to get his advice. Yeah, and he was also able to uh, rescue the alien egg off the spaceship, so... Oh, yeah, that's He was right. happy about that. So, yeah. So, it's played on a hex map with little spaceship counters, but you also have a secondary map that is your individual spaceship with all the different rooms, and you play on both maps simultaneously? That's right. It's the only Starship game uh, that seamlessly fuses boarding action with ship-to-ship action, and it kind of has a role-playing element, but it's also a strict board game. Battle Stations has been out a while, and I know you guys have expanded it quite a lot. What else is there for Battle Stations? Well, something we did right from the start was on the side of the box, we put uh, upcoming expansions, and some of the next two expansions coming out are Pirates of Trenlia, which Jeff is uh, just putting the finishing touches on. Yeah. And uh, he just put out, uh, what was it, Planet of Dr. Moreau? The Planet of Dr. Moreau actually isn't one of the scheduled expansions, but it's almost a role-playing game, a mini-expansion, 48 pages to just get some Beastmen action in space. And speaking of Beastmen in space, we have figures for Battle Stations. And uh, the figures come with actually a little cargo bay item so that you're able to enhance your starship with a little piece that uh, we always wanted to have in the original game, but we didn't have the space to put it. So... Yeah, and we have spaceship figures coming out also in the summer. That sounds like a lot of great stuff for a cool-looking game. Well, thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks. Well, right on. And your other brand-new game I know nothing about is Lifeboat. Lifeboat is you're adrift at sea with your hated enemy, your most beloved, and a few other shady characters. And the idea is that every turn represents uh, one day at sea on this lifeboat, and You'd be struggling over what kind of goodies you can take back with you, and in the course of the struggle, the person you don't like so much might fall off the boat and take a little damage from some sharks. Is it a card game or a board game? It's a card game. Okay. So that, And that one should be out by uh, Origins. Well, uh, Randy, one of our employees, is really excited about Battle Stations. He'd never heard of it before, so I'm sure we'll be playing that in the near future, and we'll look forward to Lifeboat when it comes out. Excellent. Thanks, Thanks a lot. for your well, time, guys. Great. Thanks for having us. That was Jeff and Jason Sidek from Guerrilla Games. So, like before, when Battle Stations, because I'm I'm stoked about this now. 
when he remembers all the excitement he had when he walked by the booth in, in Vegas and said, ooh, what is that? Yeah. Uh, when the original battle stations, they said, like, now they have the cargo pieces and stuff like that. Were your characters represented by little tokens or something? They were kind of cardboard heroes, I think. They were kind of punch out, fold in half, make a little A-frame kind of thing with a picture on each side. And now you have real... And now they sell sets of miniatures. That's so who are freaking little, sweet. Little guys. Little rope... There's like a rope alien, and there's an alien with a bunch of arms, and there's humans, and there's big aliens, and little aliens. I can't remember all of it. But it's a really awesome game, we're going to play it. I, I might have to pick it up before I uh, go home to my little convention. They weren't the only people we saw. There was a lot of other people there. Did you see the Flying Frog people? Flying Frog. Well, the people from Flying Frog <laughs> I did not games. see Flying Frog people, no. Uh, the Flying Frog Games people was Your Last Day on Earth. And it's a zombie game, and they hired actors to come and do the scenes. So there's a whole bunch of like graphic art that's actors. like Photos of people in the game. It's almost pretty eaten. much people fighting zombies like it's almost a zombie movie is it a card game or a board it game? seemed a board game i think kind of in the line of zombies the person in the booth was their artist and the two guys were off trying to make some connections or something she may not have been the, the best one to talk to but it looked very good they're a new company it's not the only game they have on the table they have like I think they said they had like a dozen more that they were working on, but they're a startup company, so. In a way of apologizing to the guys from Golden Laurel Entertainment Incorporated, who I wandered by and saw their pirate game and their spaceship game and their other stuff sitting out and said, I want to talk to you for our podcast. And then when I went back, it was half an hour after the floor closed, and they had such a little amount of stuff that they were packed up and gone already. So I didn't get to talk to them. But uh, at some point in the near future... I don't even know the names of their games anymore, except for their newest game they were showing off called Kill the Hippies. We will get some information from Golden Laurel Entertainment Incorporated. They were a Canadian company. We try to get a game. They were small. Uh, yeah, free stuff is always fun. So sorry about that, guys, but we will get uh, in touch with you in some way in the future. A game I'm really excited about that Randy did not even see is Privateer Press's brand new game, Infernal Contraption. Privateer Press is the makers of War Machine and Hordes and the Iron Kingdom's role-playing game, and they had a big booth, and Which I know everyone knows who they are. I play Hordes. I have a poster in my office. I know you were a huge fan of Privateer Press, and we got there, and I said, I want to go see the Fantasy Flight people, and Will's like, well, I don't care about you. I want to see Privateer Press. Luckily, they were in the aisle straight behind us, and then Fancy Flight was in the aisle straight behind them. So they were all in the end cap of those aisles with us, so we got to wander past their booth every time we came in and out of the floor. But Infernal Contraption's coming out soon, and I caught Nate checking his email in the press room. Now we've tracked down Nathan Letzinger from Private Press and No Further Magazine. They have a new game at the show that's coming out soon called Infernal Contraption, and of course they're the guys that make War Machine and Hordes. So tell me a bit about Infernal Contraption. Hi, Will. Yeah, Infernal Contraption is a non-collectible card game. You might call it a beer and pretzels card game. Something that's fun and fast-paced and hilarious and good for the full family. Um, that's what Infernal Contraption is. It's a new category for us. We've not put out a card game before, but we're really excited about it. And it's actually something we've wanted to do for a very long time. But now that War Machine and Hordes are going full steam and we've got that... Uh, coming out on regular schedule. Uh, we've had more time to develop more games, and we're looking forward to actually doing more card games and more games in other categories. Privateer Press is a game company, just not just a miniatures company. And tell us what else exciting is happening in the world of War Machine and Hordes. 
Well, there's some exciting stuff with Hordes this summer. We've got the first expansion of Hordes called Hordes Evolution. And War Machine players have had a lot of choices of models like uh, CAV and special weapon units. And now Hordes players will have the same choices for their army building as well with Evolution. It's probably one of our most ambitious books that we've ever put together simply because of the sheer number of models that we're offering in the expansion. Well, I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm sure a lot of other people out there can't wait to see the uh, giant Sabertooth cat monsters that were teased somewhere in No Quarter. That's right, yeah. That was a real pleasure to be able to do that in No Quarter. Um, Every chance I get, I kind of drop little hints about what's to come in there. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. That was me uh, being a fanboy with Nate. Will is stupid for Privateer Press. I'm I'm sure they're a great company. But anyway... We have one last piece of audio. Oh, one one last person I drug from the floor while he was busy trying to sell his game to the adoring drug. public. <laughs> I didn't drug him. I drug him <laughs> off the floor, but he, there were no drugs involved. Everybody that I know who's a gamer has a story about this game or is looking forward to the new version or I is know, somewhere in between. I know what you're talking about. It is a game I played when I was way, way young. It's one of the first fantasy board games I actually played, and they are doing a remake, and they call this one Talisman. Talisman. Now, unfortunately, Sabretooth Games is not who's actually putting out Talisman. Sabretooth does a universal fighting system card game and some other stuff. They had the booth that Talisman was at, but Black Industries is technically putting out Talisman. Oddly enough, we rode the elevator with the Black Industries guy and made jokes about the sewage convention that was going on across the hallway that guy (laughs) he seemed like a pretty good guy but thursday when i went to catch up with him he's from england and had already flown home those brits you're good in one revolutionary war and they just ditch you from podcasting so i did manage to get bobby from sabertooth to talk to me about talisman let's hear it I'm with Bobby Stickle from Sabretooth Games. Sabretooth Games is associated with Black Industries, who are putting out Talisman again, finally. And some of us at the company, uh, their board game geeks, are really, really excited about Talisman. So tell me all about it. Well, part of the reason people are excited about Talisman is because this is the granddaddy of all fantasy board games. It's got a 20-plus year history. Um, we've just had waves and waves of people coming up to us saying, oh, I can't believe it's coming back. This is Talisman. I still have my old copy, or I just sold my old copy for lots of money. I really wish I had it back. Uh, so people are really, really excited to see this game come back, and, and people have asked us to bring it back for years, and um, we're happy to, to give them what they want. Uh, we just announced at the uh, Gamma Trade Show that we will be doing expansions for it as well. Um, and uh, the game basically is going to come out in September. It's going to retail for $49.99. Um, it is, uh, it's based off the second edition Talisman rules, which everybody knows and loves. It was their favorite edition. Yeah. There's, a, there's one new feature with this game where um, uh, we've written a set of quick play rules. So if you want to play a game of Talisman in two hours, you can do it in two hours. And if you want to play the classic game of Talisman that takes a little bit longer, you can do that as well. Yeah, we're bigger fans of the seven-hour game. Day, you can do the seven-hour game. Sometimes day. you only have two hours. That's that's true, but you can you can play Talisman as long as you like. <laughs> and it's got um, a lot of people have asked, you know, well, are there any uh, are there miniatures in it? Or are they cardboard cutout guys? These are the little die-cut cardboard standee guys. 
And um, that's kind of the way it should be because this is Talisman. This is your old Talisman that you know and love. Yeah. But it's repackaged beautifully and it's been upgraded. And uh, this is the best version of Talisman we've ever made. Yeah, all the art looks really nice for it. Thank you. I, I like the giant toad. The toad is awesome. Uh, he's great. Don't stare him in the eyes too long because uh, bad things happen to you out here. But yeah, he's great. I love the toad. And a lot of people, uh, it's the, a lot of people are seeing uh, the characters come back that they love from the original edition. They're saying, you know, oh, the prophetess, she was awesome. I used to always play her. She was the best. And some guys were saying, oh, I remember the wizard. I used to always be this guy. And he was great. And so, uh, yeah, people were really, really excited. And uh, it's yeah, it's just been fantastic, and the response has been huge. Well, uh, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mmm, Talisman. Yeah, I can't wait. I never actually got a chance to ever play any version of Talisman. I remember playing. It's it's an old memory, and I've put some things into my body between then and now that uh, kind of hurt the memory a little, but I still remember playing a little bit of talisman and having a good time with it. A friend of mine met his wife in college playing talisman. They used to wear funny hats. I, I would imagine they probably still do. Probably. That was the last of the recordings we have. But there was a lot more we did and looked at. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we saw the terrorism game. Oh, these guys. Wow. It's called War on Terror. Part of their shtick was uh, they, they had, like, ski masks, like terrorist ski masks yeah. that had big red lettering, and it was, like, terrorist or something like that it's kind of creepy that was their, their booth had cow skulls and barbed wire all yeah. over it and it was stuff. interesting they, they had a, really a playboy with a review of their game at their booth for the review of the game i do read the articles unfortunately they weren't there yeah we like, never actually talked to them because when we when we walked by on that first day they had set up ahead of time and then left and while we were trying to set up ahead of time but had nothing they weren't there so we just didn't get the chance to talk to them somebody we did see Right across the aisle from their booth was a scallywag guy, though. Oh. Scallywags is a game where you're going to build a crew to set sail. And when I say build a crew, you don't just pick seven crewmen. You have to actually build the crewmen. Like, here are his legs, here is his head, here is his torso. That is a crewman. So there are a bunch of different leg pieces, head pieces, torso pieces. It's a card game. It's a card game, but the cards each have a header, a leg, or a torso. If you assembled... Uh, it's like almost a set item for a, a particular crewman. Let's say there was a cook, uh, John the chef or whatever. If you assembled John the chef's head, legs, and torso, then you John the chef gave special abilities to the crew. And then uh, there are some cards that allow you to steal, to swap torso pieces from other players. So you like take their torso and give them a different torso. If a crewman isn't complete, if he isn't a set crewman, so once you build a set crewman, he is locked and he is a member of your crew. They give you special abilities and can't be stolen. It looked very interesting. Uh, he was kind enough to give me a copy. It was awesome. Probably bring it in for a game night and play it. They also had... The superhero version. Yeah, there's, there's a superhero kind of educational version. It's called Number League. Yeah, it's you build superheroes and they have... Like numbers next to their heads, legs, and torsos, I think. Yeah, I mean, you have villains. Like, the villain is a 10. It's it's more of an educational little kid game because this villain's a 10, so you have to have legs, head, and a torso that equals 10 or is greater than it. And so you're trying to build heroes out of your different parts to beat different villains that pop up. Their different expansions are, like, 
fraction attack or something yeah. like that. And he said eventually every type of math you ever learn before like eighth grade will be in the game. Kind of hurts my head, but whatever. He well, I'm not smart enough to do it anymore. Is why <laughs> he also is putting out some just regular playing cards, um, but they're not completely regular. They've got the high quality like plastic coat to them. They're not a plastic card, but they have that plastic coating, and they're going to slide really well and not get all oily and whatever else and ruined. But they are pirate-themed. So on the back of a normal deck of cards, when you see the the regular logo, a guy riding a bicycle or whatever for bicycle cards, theirs has like a uh, almost a skull doubloon like a black skull doubloon or a red skull doubloon, depending on if it's the black deck or the red deck. And then they're more pirate art themed for the face cards, and your clubs are kind of drawn-in clubs. It looked really cool. I wouldn't mind a, a pack or two myself, because I think they'll hold up really well, and it's something different to look at while you're playing a poker game than just the normal, everyday cards. It's yeah, he had collectible card sheets oh, and a binder right. That's right. with all the cards in there, so you could flip through it and look at them. But they weren't on card stock, so you couldn't actually pull them out and play right. around with them. They, uh, but they looked awesome. They did look good. Hopefully I can get a set for free. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and and the last people we have to talk about are our friends from CNET. Oh, my gosh. This... The first day, of course, Monday, like we've said, Monday we were wandering okay. around. We got to see lots of other people's booths that were totally set up. And when we came across the CNET booth, which is the DVD game for anybody out there that doesn't know what CNET is, they were totally, I think it was 11 in the morning, and their booth was done. Completely done. They, but then again, when the union guy set it up for you. They then, shamed us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so we we had nothing to do, and uh, the lovely ladies from CNET were kind enough to talk to us. Melissa, Sandra, and Jill were the three women who were... Uh, Manning the booth. <laughs> they were I the guess. con staff. They were the con staff for the booth, and uh, we talked to Melissa the first day, and uh, hung out with them. We it was a good time. They they really took us in with no booth and gave us something to do. Yeah, it was great time. Uh, if they're listening, hey, wonderful, hey, thank and, you. And um, Melissa took a photo of our booth that we'll probably put up with this That's podcast right. when it comes out. There's a photo of the giant poster wall from yeah, earlier right. we were describing. Very kind of them. And they like to come by and make fun of us all Monday and partially Tuesday morning when we were slaving away as quick as possible. That, is, that is correct. But very nice women. If you And they go to all the gaming conventions. They go to a lot of them. So Origins, I yeah. think they plan to attend. If you're there and you see them, then say hi. And ask them if they have any munchkin water left. <laughs> Completely separate story. <laughs> Thank you, Steve Jackson Games, for letting me go to the convention. And uh, that is going to be the beginning of our summer convention coverage. Hopefully there will be more something from Origin, something from Gen Con, and maybe some other cons. You Hopefully know. they will force me to go to these conventions. Yes. We are volunteering. Oh, my gosh, yes. Heavily. Send me somewhere. Oh, anywhere. I want to thank everyone who was a part of this Penordcast one more time. It was great to see all you guys in Vegas, and we'll see you at next GTS. Next episode, Origins coverage, and more Ask Dr. Crom. 
The Fenord Cast is a production of Steve Jackson Games. All music written and performed by Tom Smith at tomsmithonline.com. Thank you.